Uh, good morning. This morning we are reading from the book of Proverbs in chapter 31, beginning at verse 10. That's Proverbs 31, and beginning at verse 10. <coughs> An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax, and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night, and provides food for her household, and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength, and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor, and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Amen. You all to turn with me again in God's Word, this time to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're finally resuming our expositional study of the book of Ephesians and coming back to this section where we're laying a a groundwork, a foundation for why is Paul saying these things, on what is he building, and so we've been laying that out for several weeks with that um, special series on the role of men and women in the church and in the family. So we come now again to this passage beginning Ephesians 5, verse 22, where Paul will be talking about marriage and family. And we're going to talk today about spirit-filled wives. Feminists hate this passage. For decades, they have been at war with all of us who teach this as God's design. One of the tactics that they use is to pit Jesus against Paul. They will say things like, Jesus didn't say anything about this. This is Paul's idea. They get this idea from liberalism. And liberalism, as you know, I've told you before, it, uh, that's what feminism is built on, the shoulders of liberalism. And so liberalism feels the freedom, based from their own perspective, they feel the freedom to dismiss or reject anything that Paul said if Jesus didn't also say it. 
That's kind of an odd thing, uh, but that's, that is a, a tactic that they use. So if Jesus didn't specifically teach something, but Paul did, they can reject it if they want to. Now, the funny thing is, is they reject a lot of stuff that Jesus said, too. They, that's how they approach the subject of homosexuality. Uh, since, and they say, since Jesus didn't directly address it, then he wasn't against it. Feminists use the same tactic. Since Jesus never said, wives, submit to your husbands, they say it must be Paul's misogynistic opinion. Watch out for arguments where people say, we can reject this teaching of Paul because Jesus didn't address it directly. Why? Well, ultimately, Jesus did teach it. Well, how can I say that? Jesus said in John sixteen twelve through 13, here he is, he's at the end of his earthly life. And in verses 13 through 17, he's preparing his disciples for his departure. And, and so what, what he's doing there is saying, okay, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. And you need to know these things. And so he told them this. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And so what Jesus was saying to the apostles who would become apostles, the disciples, he said, "Okay, I still have a lot more to teach you, but you're not ready for it. But you will be soon because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He will reveal these things to you. And then you will teach them to the churches. You will teach them, Jesus was saying, you'll teach them in Jesus' name. You'll teach them with His authority. Jesus was still teaching. But He was doing it through His Holy Spirit and through the apostles. That's precisely what we have here in Ephesians 5. So let's recall where we're at right now in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. So as we go to the next slide, you'll see the outline I've shown you before where, and we're in the second half of the book, which is kind of that kind of a light green color. So it, he's, he calls us at the beginning of that section in chapter 4, verse 1, to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. And then he spells out for us, and we've seen already these five different ways in which we are to walk. And he tells us first to walk in unity and then walk in holiness, walk in love, walk in light. And we're now in that section where we are to walk in wisdom. And then we break that down. If we can go to the next slide. And you've seen this before, but we're walking in wisdom. We're taking that and then exploding it a little bit and, and looking at how it is divided up. First, we've already looked at church relationships, 15 through 21. And we now are entering into that middle section, family relationships. And then we're going to have what today we would call work relationships, where he talks about masters and slaves. Okay, And so you see in that how Christ-centered it is down at the bottom. You know, fear Christ imitate Christ, serve Christ, some of the things that uh, I just want to call out there because this is so, as we would say theologically, Christocentric or Christ-centered. And, and that, I'm kind of preparing you for that because what we have before us, and we get so caught up sometimes in 
the the ideas of of headship and submission that we miss. And I'm not saying we discount those because we're going to teach those. But we miss Christ. And so I want to present this this morning in a way that we see how Christ saturated this section is. It's not just about how do how do we have order within our marriages and order within our families. If that's all we get, we've missed the main point. The main point is this is about Christ. Okay? And that's where we're going today. So, as I said, in verses 15 through 21, we learned that walking in wisdom, which that's that... You know, our current walk that we're talking about there. Walk in wisdom. We can only do that when we are filled by the Holy Spirit. And so we would wonder, what does that look like then for wise people, wise believers to be filled by the Holy Spirit? And so what he does there is he gives four different phrases, concepts of what being filled by the Spirit looks like. And you remember those. We talked about them. There's the speaking, the singing, thanking, and then submitting. That last one in verse 21. And so, uh, if we... Okay, you're already there. Great. They're ahead of me. So, that verse 21 is doing double duty, we've said. What's going on there is that it, it concludes those four different ways in which we we see what does it look like for us to be filled by the Spirit. The last one being submitting, and so submitting to one another. And so it concludes that that section. Okay, But it also now introduces the next section, because he takes that idea of submitting to one another, and he says, okay, let me spell out for you what that's going to look like in the home in particular. So as he, he's now transitioning, and there's a lot of overlap, but he's transitioning into uh, Christian living, if you will, in the home. And so that verse, verse 21, introduces us to what we are going to be begin looking at this morning. So, uh, I want to to read some of the context as I've been kind of giving you an overview of what we've covered. But let me read the text <clears throat> again and get us started into this. So, back in verse 15 of Ephesians 5. <clears throat> Therefore, be careful how you walk. And here's that walking in wisdom. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled by the Spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, giving that thanks to God, even the Father, and submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So let's talk for a minute about that idea of submitting to one another. What did we say about that? Well, we defined submitting to one another as humble service with a one another attitude. Humble service with a one another attitude. That doesn't come naturally to us. And some people tend to be like maybe nicer than other people, but this humble, true humility does not come naturally where we are serving others in the right attitude. That doesn't come naturally. We need the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And so, as we launch into the study of, of marriage and family life, it's important that we don't assume that Paul is calling us 
to do something that unbelievers have been able to do for millennia. This is not that. And what I'm talking about here is headship and submission. There are billions of people throughout history and even alive now in the world that do this, but not this. They do headship and submission, but not this. Okay? That's what I'm saying here. Paul is calling us to ways of living that bear the unmistakable marks of the Holy Spirit. He is not calling us to go back to traditional values. A lot of times, you know, we'll say that within Christianity. We need to go back to traditional values. And Paul is not calling us to that. He's calling us to something else. He's calling some, us to something <clears throat> that when men operate their headship and women submit to their husbands, they do it in ways that have unmistakable marks of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is something entirely different. Now, yeah, there's some similarities to it, but they're two different things. Jesus intends to transform us so that family relationships are, and I've said this before, distinctly Christian. And without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do these things to husbands to lead, wives to submit. We cannot do them as to the Lord. And there's the difference. You see, there are people out there who, you know, the men are the heads and the the wives submit. Uh, They do it every day. And they seem to do it without any fanfare. They They just do it because that's what they've been taught. But they're not doing it as to the Lord, as to Christ. So how should New Testament relationships be distinctly Christian? Well, as we're going to see as we go through the passage uh, in in a later, later lesson, the husband is to set the example of agape. You see, you see, I'm trying to show how this is distinctly Christian. Christ's love is what the husband does and sets the example for everybody else. Okay, why does he tell the husband to love, to agape your wife? Because he's to set the example of love in the home. Christ is the blueprint. Christ is the motivation. And in fact, Christ is the whole point. Do you get that? You may not see it yet, but that's where we're going today. Christ is the whole point. In other words, our family relationships should be Christ-centered. They should be Christ-saturated. And we're going to see the powerful part that wives play in making all of this Christ-centered. As we unpack verse 22, we're going to see this. Spirit-filled wives are responsible for submitting to their husbands out of wonder and awe toward Christ. And you may not have seen that here before. You may not have thought of it that way, ladies and husbands who encourage your wives. Spirit-filled wives are responsible for submitting to their husbands out of wonder and awe toward Christ. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to take, we're going to look at the context that this is set in that we, we all just tend to miss when we read this. We don't see that verses 15 through 21 
tie into and actually are driving what he's going to be saying in verses 22 and following. You see, as soon as we get to verse 22 and we see submit, all of a sudden it's like, oh my. And whatever way our minds go in that, right? And and we we completely then have forgotten everything he said. So we're going to pull those things back in here so that we have the context of, of really these these kind of headings, if you will, that tell us how it is that we are to interpret and then apply these things. Spirit-filled wives are responsible for submitting to their husbands out of wonder and awe toward Christ. This makes submission distinctly Christian. That's what we're getting at. This is what makes it distinctly Christian. So, to whom is Paul addressing this instruction here in verses 22 to 24? Look with me there. So, backing up to verse 21. They're being filled with the Spirit. The fourth point of that, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own to their husbands in everything. So first, spirit-filled wives who walk in wisdom, this is for you. Spirit-filled wives who walk in wisdom, this is for you. Now, some of you may say, okay, well, I'm a woman, but I'm single. Or I'm a man, so never been a woman. So uh, this I can check out, right? No. Okay, and we're going to I'm going to show you how we need to all learn from this because this this is a family thing. Okay, this is something for all of us to encourage each other in and to encourage spirit filled wives to walk in wisdom this way. But he's addressing directly those of you who are or plan to be wives. Okay, Paul wrote to believers in the church. When he wrote Ephesians, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. And he talks to them as brethren, beloved. These are Christian wives. But remember, again, context. Verse 15. These Christian wives are called to walk in wisdom, right? They're to walk wisely in God's wisdom. But they're also to do it being filled by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, or 18. So what will being wise and spirit-filled look like for a wife? What's that going to look like? Okay, so our takes us to our second point. You are responsible for submitting to your husbands. Pretty straightforward, but let's, let's dive into that. Verse 22 again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. He's saying a wise, spirit-filled woman submits to her husband. And so, um, wives... When you don't submit to your husband, you're not being wise and you're not being filled by the Spirit. Wives, submit to your own husbands. We already talked about this word submit, but let's go over that again. Um, The word submit is not actually stated here in this verse in Greek, but it's clearly implied from verse 21. And he also mentions it again in verse 24. So it's clearly there, uh, even though he, he doesn't put it in Greek. And in Greek, that's not a problem to do it that way. We supply it in English just so we don't miss it. But the word we also said submit normally is followed by the mention of someone to whom respect is due. 
Okay, so it could be you know submit to your your you know commander. Here we have submit to your husband. Okay, someone that the wife is to show respect toward. And, and of course, verse 21, remember, is the exception. And, and there's a whole reason behind that. We won't go into all that again. But verse 21 is the exception. And, and that's, it's an odd use because uh, Paul had something specific to do there. But here, it's the normal usage. The husband is the leader to whom respect is due. Now, the basic idea in the word submit is to arrange under, to order under, to surrender your rights to someone or humble yourself towards someone. And the Greek word is in what's called middle voice. There's active, middle, and passive in in grammar, and so especially in Greek grammar. um, The middle is basically saying that wives, this is to be voluntary. You You are to choose to do this. Okay, it isn't active voice. If he had used the active voice, then it would be this, you know, somebody subduing them. But he doesn't say that. This is voluntary. It is a willing choice that the wife, the Christian wife is to make. She is a morally free agent under God. And while her submission is voluntary, it is not optional. So, ladies, you know, God's not saying here, you can decide, it's okay if you decide not to. He's not saying that. It is voluntary. It's not optional. What this means is that the wife is not to be forced into submission. She must choose to submit as her duty before God. God does not give husbands the job of subjugating their wives. He doesn't say, husbands, subdue your wives. That's not biblical submission. And the model for her is the church's submission to Christ. And our submission to Christ is voluntary. It's not optional, but it's voluntary. And so should the wife's submission be voluntary as well. So to whom must a wife submit? Not to every man. Paul's clear. Wives, submit to your own husband. And that submission, as we've said before in that series we went through, her submitting to him does not at all mean that she's inferior. It does not mean that. In God's design, men and women are equal, but they have different roles. They're equal, but they have different roles. And you can think about 1 Corinthians 7, verses 2 through 4, when Paul is there talking about uh, their intimacy within marriage and their their physical bodies, uh, he says that they have the husband and wife have equal authority over each other's body. You know, so you don't hear that by a lot of teachers. They they will you know, ignore that part because they don't like the idea. They downplay this whole idea of women being equal to men. But we have to remember there are two things you have to remember: they're they're equal to men, but they have different. Roles. That was unheard of in Paul's day to say that a wife has authority. That's what he actually says. She has authority over her husband's body. Okay, that was unheard of. But that's God's design. And I want to point out that this applies to every Christian woman or every Christian wife, regardless of her husband's character. 
It doesn't matter whether he's a good Christian or he's not doing very well as a Christian. You have to submit to him. It doesn't matter whether he's a believer or an unbeliever. You still have to submit to him. You can go to 1 Peter 3, where he makes that clear. Okay? This applies to every Christian wife. But this does not apply to abuse. Abuse must never be tolerated. Um, and, and I know the, the feminists and liberals out in the world that they say when we teach headship and submission that what we're saying is that, oh yeah, they're saying that wives, even if your husband beats you, you just got to submit. And, and there have been some um, terrible preachers who have said that. They're not biblical. And they're not godly if they say that. Because that is not to be tolerated. And wife, wives, if your husband is physically abusing you, you do not submit to that. Do not. Um, and if that, if physical abuse is happening, it should be dealt with by the police. That's what we tell people in counseling. If a woman says, my husband is, is beating me, then it's like you call the police. Because that's their God-ordained role to protect and, and that's what should happen. Other forms of abuse need to be brought to the attention of biblical counselors or the elders. Your elders care deeply about this. And I know, again, the world says, oh, churches that, that have men in leadership and don't have women in leadership, that they don't care about this. They don't understand. They, that's not true. It may be true of some churches, and it is. There are some, but they're fewer than they make it sound. Uh, it is not true here. We care deeply about abuse. MacArthur explains, A husband is not to treat his wife as a servant or as a child. There are people out there that actually advocate that, Christ- people who claim to be Christians. <clears throat> to treat your wife the same way you treat your children, that's sin says, but treat her as an equal, an equal for whom God has given him care, the, the man, the husband, care and responsibility for provision and protection to be exercised in love. She is not his to order about, responding to his every wish and command. And that's when when I read and hear some people who are talking about, oh, we need to go back to, you know, the traditional uh, perspective. Uh, I I notice a lot of times, not everybody. I mean, we sometimes will say that and and we don't mean this, but some do. And they say, we go back to the traditional, let's go back to traditional values and that sort of thing. I, I also see them downplaying and sometimes disagreeing with the statement that men and women are created equal. We're equal before God. We have equal value, equal worth before God. We have an equal relationship with God. They don't like it. And some of them, you know, they know they can't completely say it's not true, so they move it down very low. It should be at the top because that's what the Word of God does with it. Third, Ladies, wives, do this out of wonder and awe of Christ. Do this out of wonder and awe of Christ. And you may be saying, okay, I don't see that in verse 22. Well, it's there and it's in the larger context. I'm going to show that to you. 
This is getting to this little phrase, as to the Lord, and he's talking about Christ, as to the Lord. It gets to the heart of how this is distinctly Christian. Look again at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. This phrase sets Christian submission apart from what kind of submission there is out there in the world, all over the world throughout the centuries. This sets it apart. What Paul is calling for here is not the same thing as what they do out there. Don't ever say, you know, oh, you know, we can admire this group out in the Middle East or these in Asia or these whatever. No, this is not the same thing. This is as to the Lord. A wise, spirit-filled woman submits to her husband with a spiritual motivation. It's not merely the submission of so many women throughout history, pagan women and all. No, it is a distinctly Christian act for the sake of her Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. A spirit-filled, wise woman, a Christian woman, submits to her husband, not because it's traditional, but she's doing it for Jesus. She's saying, my Lord has told me to do this, and I'm doing it for Him. You know, don't ever think, oh, you know, if my husband deserved it, he will never deserve it. Ladies, your husband will never deserve your submission. Okay? And if he tells you he does, it's a lie. Okay? He doesn't deserve it. Okay? You do it because Jesus does. And because Jesus told you to do this. That's what this means. You know, yes, unbelievers can certainly benefit from following God's design, but they don't do it with the right motivation. It's not the same thing. Only those who are filled by the filled by the Spirit can do this as to the Lord. And so this little phrase, as to the Lord, what it does is it's picking up this overarching motivator that, that Paul gave them back in verse 21. You remember he says the fourth element of, of, of Spirit... Filled living, if you will, is submitting to one another. How? In the fear of Christ. Right? That's what as to the Lord, it's just picking that up just a few words before. He's, he's making sure that even though we read this and our minds just kind of go from, you know, it's like there's this huge divider there. It's like, okay, verse 22, we're now talking about something completely different. Whole different topic. That's what our minds do a lot of times. But Paul is signaling, no, 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 I just said in the fear of the Lord. So, wives, I want you to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. In other words, in the fear of the Lord. And what is the fear of the Lord? Well, we defined it back then as this. The fear of Christ is a sense of joyful wonder and sobering awe at His majesty. It's a sense of joyful wonder and sobering awe at His majesty. It is not the terror fear that the world has toward God. So, some some people in the world, they have no fear of God and they go about and do whatever they want. But then those, there are a lot who say, well, you know, I know God says, you know, wives submit to your husbands and so, you know, I better do it or God's going to get me. That's terror fear. That is not your motivation, ladies. 
A godly wife submits to her husband because she's moved by a sense of joyful wonder and sobering awe toward Christ. She, what she does, she sees in this passage, and as we work our way through it, it's going to become more and more clear to all of us how Christ-centered all of this is. And we should come away with a sense of awe and wonder. It's like, wow, God's design is so perfect. It is so beautiful. It is amazing. And for all of us to do whatever duty God has called us to, to do it in that sense of wonder and awe. You see, when a Christian wife sees how important her responsibility is, that it's not just to provide order in the home. And it is for that, but that's not the, that's not the extent of it. But she sees that it is to draw attention to Christ. She will want to do this. Because, you know, submission's not easy. Okay? Because we men don't do it very well in submitting to Christ or even submitting to each other like in our job or something. We, we don't do it very well. We know submitting is hard and we know it's even harder because you have to submit to us, right? And so we get that. But you will want to do it anyway when you think about, I'm doing this for my Lord. I, I stand in such wonder and awe at Him and His plan and His design that I want to do this. When she realizes that her marriage is all about Christ, she will happily submit to her husband because she can, through that, draw attention to Christ. And ladies, I know it's, it's so easy to think of submission in negative terms. It's like, why do I have to do this? Why didn't he have to do this? And, and you know, this is hard. And everything, every fiber of my being sometimes is working against this. But when you realize that every act of submitting to your husband draws attention to Christ, that'll change your attitude. And as you remember that, it's like, oh yeah, there's something more going on here than I ever realized. You see, ladies, when you submit to your husband as to the Lord in the fear of Christ... You're reminding your husband. You see, we're going to see his job is to remind the family, the, the, his wife and his kids, that love is to be the governing principle here in our home. Agape. That's his job. Ladies, your job is to remind him that it's all about Jesus. You see. Because remember her, it parallels to the church submitting to Christ. So we all need to submit to Christ. And so when she submits to her husband, she's reminding her husband that it's about Jesus. She reminds her kids that it's about Jesus. I've told you this before, I think. Um, a little funny episode we had. We were in the car with our girls, you know, and, and they grew up, well, grew up, they, the first nine and twelve years of their life they were in Russia, which is extremely feministic, okay, you think it's bad here, and and so they're, they're in the back, and Connie and I are in the front, I'm driving, and, and we're talking, I don't remember how we got on the subject, but they didn't like the idea that they had to submit to us and do what we said, okay, they just didn't like that, and so Connie, trying to encourage them, said, well, but I have someone that I have to submit to. And they're like, oh, 
said, yeah, I have to submit to your father. Well, that just, that made it worse, you know, because their, their little feminist minds and hearts were kind of, you know. And, and so then, then I think it was I who said, but I have to submit to someone. And all of a sudden their ears perked up again. I have to submit to Christ. I'm not God in this family. Jesus is. And I submit. You see, so that even right in the middle of that, her submission to me pointed us and set the context to me and the kids that it was about Jesus and submitting to him. Ladies, each act of submitting to your husbands reminds your husband, your kids, your church, the world around you that this is all about Christ. A wise, spirit-filled woman realizes this is much bigger than me. Now, I know it doesn't feel like that. When you're slogging through in the day-to-day, you know, submitting, 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 it, it doesn't seem like it. But remember... And tell yourself, oh, this is much bigger than me. This isn't about me at all. When she sees that this is about the grand truths of Christ and His church, when she remembers, I get the opportunity to draw attention to Jesus and to the relationship He has with His bride, the church, When she remembers those things, she will be able to submit with joy and submit with a deep sense of purpose. Do you see that? Because it's as to the Lord. It's in the fear of Christ. It isn't just about her trying to humble herself enough to, to, you know, submit to this, you know, sinner, the husband. It's way bigger than that. She sees that she has been given this important role, this important part to play in drawing attention to Christ, and that will give her a deep sense of purpose. So, I said at the beginning that we all should be able to take something away from this, not just those who are currently wives or who hope to be wives. First, Whatever our our duty is. So we're talking about wives today. Submitting to your husbands. Husbands loving your wives. Children obeying your parents. It all requires filling by the Holy Spirit. Filling by the Holy Spirit to carry this out. Okay. It requires filling by the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it, ladies, as to the Lord. You might be able to do it like a pagan out there does it, but you don't do it as to the Lord unless you are filled by the Spirit. So you say, Spirit, fill me, empower me. That's what it means. Empower me to do this so that I'm drawing attention to Christ. That I submit with joy and a deep sense of purpose because I'm doing this for Christ. And and husbands, when we get to your duty of love and and all that goes with it, and children, your, your obedience to your parents... You need the filling of the Holy Spirit to do this. Second, wise people embrace the perfection of God's design for men and women. 
Okay, you know, the world, like I said, they hate this, and they're ch- trying to chip away at it as much as they can. They don't like this this idea because why? Why don't they like it? Because it draws attention to God and to Christ. Okay, but we, if we are wise, remember, walk in wisdom, right? We we embrace the perfection in this. We see that wow, okay, submission isn't just about you know you know men. We want to get our way in the home. It's not about that at all. It's about drawing glory to Christ. We see the perfection of God's plan. And third, this isn't so much about us, it's about Christ. And if you don't take anything else away, at least get that. It's about Christ. So husbands, you know, whenever your wife is having a hard time doing this, and she will, you remember that it's about Christ and remind her that it's about Christ. And ladies, as you think about it, and as you wrestle with your sin and humbling yourself to do this, remind yourself that this is about Christ. And that is what will help you through this. Satan hates this passage. And so it's no surprise that in chapter 6, verse 10, guess who we're going to talk about? Satan and his minions in spiritual warfare, right? That's why it follows this section on marriage and family. We're going to need it. Because he hates this. And he attacks it from every direction he can. And so from the one direction, let's reject mere traditional values and gladly embrace spirit-filled responsibilities. That's what Paul is calling us to. Let's embrace distinctly Christian submission, which provides women with a powerful tool to preach Christ. Think 1 Peter 3 here. Okay, so even if you ladies have an unbelieving husband, then what do you do? Oh, I'm going to preach and preach and preach to him. No. Paul says, or Peter says, don't do that. Do it without a word. The quiet submission of their wives preaches louder. Why? Because of what we've been talking about. If she does that as to the Lord, then she's constantly pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus. And if she has an unbelieving husband, he needs to see that. And if she has a believing husband, but, you know, he, he's a sinner, he needs to see that. He needs to have his mind brought back to Christ. You see, the husbands, you're going to have the lead, okay? We're going to get to that. But wives, your part is just as important just as vital because your husband's going to need to remember that this is about Jesus and that's what you get to do you get to remind him over and again that this is about Jesus so as we come now to the Lord's table it's all about Christ a woman's submission is all about Christ Her submission reminds us that biblical submission is designed to draw our attention to God's glory, which is shown through Christ's submission to His Father. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 2.8, Jesus humbled Himself by becoming obedient. He was submitting to His Father's will. Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So you see, ladies, your submission is... Is you're imitating Him. 
He submitted to his father. And his father says, you go and you live down there for 33 years and then you go die on that cross. And he says, happy to do that, Lord. Father, that, that's what I'm here for. To do your will, he said. And so, ladies, you're pointing us to that. Christ's submission is showing us the depth of God's love. It's showing us by His Jesus' obedience to His Father's will that uh, that was God's design. His design for our salvation. It was His design for His glory. He wanted to show us the beauty of His character. God, the tri- our triune God, wanted to show us the beauty of His character. And He said, and the way they will see that in so much depth is by lifting His Son up on that cross. And He shows us justice and righteousness and holiness. And He shows us love and mercy and forgiveness and grace. That was His design. But you see, Christ had to submit to His Father for that to happen. And He did it willingly, gladly. And so as we think about Christ on the cross, let us think about the beauty of God's design in all of this. Whether it's the role of men and women, roles of men and women, or His design in, in the gospel. It's all designed to bring Him glory. And let's bring Him glory by gladly embracing these things. If you're visiting with us today and are a believer in Jesus Christ, we welcome you to partake with us of the Lord's table. Two cups stacked together, you'll take both of those. So meditate on Christ now.